Welcome to River Ridge. My name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to share the message this morning. And uh, so this is, you got to follow this. This is a little confusing for me and everybody, but this is week three of our two-week series. You got that? Week three of our two-week series. So because of the power outage a couple weeks ago, um, we had to sort of shift things around. So Keith gave the message last week um, for week one. Week two, I really encourage you to pick it up online. Um, uh, Andy Tool from Artez Valley Campus gave that message. It's great. I listened to it this week. Just a, just a great job with this idea of nobody's perfect. Um, and then this morning, I'm going to wrap up the message. But I want to, uh, for those of you who haven't been here, uh, weren't here last week or didn't pick up the message online, I want to kind of tell you where this sermon series is coming from and, and give you an idea of what you missed and uh, kind of by way of a story. So uh, about 10, 12 days ago, my family was in Michigan and we were biking and we were on this beautiful Michigan bike path and all six of us were there on bicycles, uh, but we didn't have bike helmets on, right? And then uh, along comes this elderly couple. You can define elderly however you are in relationship to yourself. You might look at me and think I'm elderly, but I'm not. Um, so there's, there's these couple coming down, elderly, and they're wearing bike helmets. And so and I'm in front of our little clan, and I pass them, and they look at me with immense judgment, mainly her, right? Because I don't have a bike helmet on, right? They're just, they just give me this evil, stink eye look kind of thing. And, and I assume that it's, they gave us this nasty look because we weren't wearing bike helmets. I don't know. It could have been that she didn't like my shirt. It could have been that her husband was jealous of my massive calf muscles. I don't know exactly. But I just, I, we, we rode by and I just felt like condemnation judgment from this woman, this couple, right? And, um, and it's the kind of thing, and so I share that with you because what I felt from that couple is the opposite of what we want people to feel when they come in to River Ridge Church. And we go out of our way to make people feel welcome, to make people feel as though they are welcome here. It doesn't matter who you are. That's what we talk about. When we say everybody's welcome, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how you behave. None of that matters. We just want people to come and experience what we're experiencing here at River Ridge Church. And so Keith talked about that last week, this idea of everybody's welcome, that, that Jesus has this heart that's for everybody in the whole world, not just people who are like us. And then last week in Taze Valley, Andy talked about this idea that nobody's perfect. And the first place we need to look is in the mirror to see our own imperfection. And so this morning, we're going to continue this series about who are we? What does it mean that everybody's welcome and that nobody's perfect? Because on any given Sunday, there, is, there are visitors here. And I wouldn't say any given Sunday. I would say on every single Sunday of the year, there is at least one person or family who's visiting. And most of the time, I'm signing two to three to four to sometimes more than that letters of people that come and visit for the first time throughout the week. And so we want to be a place where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect. And then today we're going to talk about this third part, this idea that change is possible. So let's pray together as we look into God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing at River Ridge Church and that we each play a role individually, but that we also play a role corporately in what we do together. And I pray that as we look into your word, that you would speak to us, that you would show us what change looks like. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So open up to Mark chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And uh, if you have a Bible, open there. If you don't have a Bible, you can open a Bible phone app on your, uh, on your phone. Click the River Ridge app, and then there's a Bible you can open up to Mark uh, chapter 9. And uh, I want to share a story before we jump into, um, into Mark chapter 9. Is, uh, so I was in, when I was in college... Um, Every Thursday night, they, the, a different dorm would throw a huge party, right? Huge, and they called it Thursday night kegs because, I don't know, they probably had kegs there, right? That kind of makes sense. But it was this huge party, um, and everybody would go. And I didn't go very often. I wasn't really into the party scene. But occasionally, I liked to be social, and there was, they had this loud music and dancing there. And so my sophomore year, I went to one of these Thursday night parties. And uh, my roommate from freshman year is there at this party. And so... We're standing around in a circle. There's like maybe probably four or five of us. And, uh, and the music is really loud. And it's the kind of thing where it's so loud that you can't hear somebody unless you like really lean in. Like your mouth is next to their ear and their mouth is next to your ear. It's hard to have a conversation. It's more of kind of a dance party kind of atmosphere. And so we're standing around and I'm here and my roommate is from freshman year is across from me, Right. And, and we both lean in to have a conversation, right? And so we're both like mouth to ear, ear to mouth. And neither of us says anything. And it was so awkward. I still remember 20 years later, whatever it was, you know, and we both lean back. It's like, hey, man, what's up? You know, trying to act all cool. Like, it was so awkward because we leaned in for this conversation, but nothing of substance was said. Nothing was said as a matter of fact, right? And I share that with you because, you know, we talk about everybody's welcome, and we talk about nobody's perfect. And so we're leaning in for this conversation with the community around us, the world. We're leaning in, and then what do we say? What's our message? You know, is our message, hey, we have coffee and donuts holes here. Is our message, man, we have a great band, so inspiring, you know, is our message, you ought to see the lobby. It's got all this great, you know, furniture out there and a fireplace and the pa- parking lot is paved. You know, is that our message? Is our message, man, your kids will have a lot of fun. Aren't you glad you came because your kids are having fun and your, your baby went home with a clean diaper? You know, we want all of those things to be true. Aren't you glad you came? The sermon was really funny. He told this story about a keg party, you know, shouldn't do that in church, right? You know, you... you I mean, but we lean in, and what's the message that we have? And all those things I want, to be, I want to be true. I want the message to be engaging and funny. I want the music to be awesome and excellent. I want people to enjoy the coffee and the donut holes and, and, and the buzz of the lobby. But all of that is really meaningless. Because the main thing that we're here to tell people, that when we lean in for that conversation, the conversation is this. The message is this is that God can change your life. That if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then he can change your life. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he can change your life here on this earth, but he can also change your eternity, your forever and ever. And that's the message that we share with people. So yeah, everybody's welcome, and nobody's perfect, but it doesn't stop there. It's change is possible 
when we have Christ as a part of our lives, as the change agent in our lives. And so what I want us to do this morning is we're going to look at this story in, Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 9. And it's a story about some guys, uh, a guy who brings somebody to Jesus to be healed. And we're going to see about change and what change looks like in this passage. So this is Mark chapter 9, if you would open up to that. And we'll just walk through this story beginning in verse 14. It says this. It says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, so all this crowd sees Jesus, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about? What are you arguing about with them? And so the, the scene is this, kind of telling you what happened before and kind of a little bit what's ahead to help understand what's going on here is that Jesus has been on a mountain for what is often called the transfiguration, and that's the passage that appears right before this. And so uh, Jesus is there with uh, James, uh, John, and Peter, Peter, James, and John, right? And so he's on this mountain with them, and they come back, and they come back to this commotion because there's this father who wants his son to be healed, but they can't seem to get this thing done. There's this argument going on about why isn't he being healed? And, you know, arguments typically uh, s- surround blame. Like, it's everybody, it's everybody else's fault, right? Why, why isn't he healed? Well, you're not praying the right way. You're not praying hard enough. Or you're not putting your hands on him the right way. Or you're not the right person to be praying. I should be praying. And you should be doing that. Or we should have taken him to a doctor. But there's this argument going on about why the disciples who were left, the other nine, why they can't help this guy and his son. And you know what's interesting is life doesn't change. Human nature doesn't change that much over 2,000 years. That we still, when we get into troubles, when we get into problems, we still blame other people, don't we? We look at other people and we're like, you know, I don't enjoy my job because my boss, et cetera, et cetera. You know, my marriage isn't very good because my wife or my husband and he or she, da, 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 right? I'm not real happy in life because God hasn't given me the things that I need. And we have this, still we have this blame mentality, but yet we want change, but we always kind of blame other things for why change isn't happening in our lives. And that's the same thing that's going on here. Then verse 17 says, And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And so we see the problem. And what the, the, the father comes with the change. He says, I want to see a change in my son. I don't want him to fall down and have these seizures. And he'll go on a little bit later and he'll say, sometimes when he has the seizures, he falls into a fire or he falls into water, and I'm fearful for him. He wants his son to have a better life. That's the change that he wants for his son. He presents this problem to Jesus. Now, I want to take just a brief tangent aside and address something that may be going on in your mind. You know, what Mark describes here is an evil spirit, right, or an unclean spirit. But yet you hear the description of it, right, and what does it sound like? It sounds a lot like an epileptic seizure, right? It sounds like the boy has epilepsy. And so kind of, you know, 
sort of skeptical, inquiring minds want to know, is this an evil or unclean spirit, or does the boy have epilepsy? But epilepsy won't actually be diagnosed and treated until 1912. And so, which is it? Does he have epilepsy, or does he have an evil spirit? I don't know, right? And I, and I say that because I don't know, but at the same time, I don't know that it really matters. I don't know that it really cares, and he, or that, that the father really cares. And here's why I say that, is I have... Two of my closest friends, children, both are fighting cancer, and, and it's just a difficult struggle, and sometimes they lose, and sometimes they're winning this battle. Um, but as I pray for them, and as their fathers pray for them, and as other people, like, they don't care if their kids get healed from some supernatural act of God, or if it's a doctor that heals them. And the same is true here with this father. I don't think he really cares whether it's a demon that's doing this or whether it's an epileptic seizure that hasn't, won't be diagnosed for 1,912 years. He just wants his son to be better. You know, and that's our outlook on life. We just want change to happen regardless of why it's there. We want change to happen in our lives. So here's what happens. Verse 19 it says, and he answered, so it says, And Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. It sounds like Jesus is a little bit frustrated with the disciples that couldn't heal him and with the crowd that has gathered. He says, O faithless generation, how long do I have to put up with you? How long do I have to bear with you? Because they continue to look to earthly solutions when they need to be looking to heavenly solutions. That's a great principle for us. Do we look to earthly solutions or do we look to heavenly solutions? And he wants to guide them in the right place. So then it says this in verse 20. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. So he has these seizures. And he explains to you as he has these seizures. And the interesting thing here is that when, when the father brings the boy to Jesus, he has a seizure right there in front of Jesus. And I think, and I'm not sure, but I would speculate that the father is probably glad that the boy has one of these seizures right in front of Jesus so that Jesus can see what it looks like. It's kind of like when you or I, we take our car to the mechanic and it's making some funny noise, and we really want to make the funny noise when we get to the mechanic. Otherwise, the mechanic will, I don't hear anything. You're like, it really did. It went, wah, 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 every time I started kind of thing, right? And I think that the same thing is going on here. The father brings his son, and he has the seizure, and it the, the grace of God so that Jesus sees what the seizure is. The father has kind of confidence that Jesus understands, and then they move forward. And here's what happens. Um, the, end of, or the beginning of verse 22 again, it says, And it often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But, and this is the Father speaking, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He says, if you can solve this problem, if you can do anything to fix this, would you do it? Can you help us? You know, he's saying, I, Jesus, I realize that everybody's welcome. All kinds of different people come to you. 
Nobody's perfect. None of the people that come to you are perfect. Scribes, Pharisees, tax collectors, goody two-shoes, everybody that comes. But can you help me? Is change possible for my son? And here's his answer. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. He says that everything is possible. If you believe, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe that I have the power to do this, then anything is possible. You know, and I look at that and I say, do we have that same outlook on life that is anything possible? You know, can God transform our kids? Can God transform our marriage? Can we go through the tough stuff of life and still have joy in that? Can we go through the storms of life and still have peace? That's what we want out of life. That's the change that we want to see in our own lives. That's the change that we want to see in other people's lives. And Jesus says, all things are possible for him who believes. Do you believe that? Do you believe that change is possible for those who believe? You know, I'll be real honest about myself. I'm a skeptic. And sometimes I look and I pray and I ask and God doesn't answer. And I wonder, does God have the power to change this? I believe that you do, but God, why aren't you changing this? This is a good prayer, but you're not answering it. Why aren't you answering it? The Father articulates what I feel a lot of the time as I look at this understanding of if you believe, then God will act. God can act. Verse 24 says, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. See, do you get that? Jesus says anything's possible to those who believe. And the father says, I believe, but help my unbelief that I think in all of us there is this blend, this dichotomy of I believe, but I also have some doubts. And I love that the Father expresses this because it's the way that I feel. I believe that God can do anything, but man, I need help with my unbelief, with the doubting side of me that God will do. And this points me back to the, to the fact that this is about what God does. This is about trusting that God has all things under his control and all the timing is under his control and that God can do what only God can do. And so here's what God does. Here's what Jesus does. Verse 25. It says, And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. That boy's life was changed forever. That boy's father's life, who came with the request, who said, I believe, help my unbelief, his life was changed forever. No longer would he have to walk through the streets afraid that his son was going to have one of these seizures in the middle of everybody. No longer would he have to worry that his son would be alone by himself and have a seizure and nobody there to help him. 
No longer would he have to worry that he would have a seizure and fall into a fire or fall into a lake and drown. That he was healed of this problem in his life. And God is still in the business of healing lives. And I know that as I look at my own life, that God has healed my life. That when I was between my sophomore and junior year of high school, I went to this camp. And my life was on one direction. You know, I just want to be popular. I want to get a girlfriend. I want to mess around with her. That's, that's where my life was going, right? I was pursuing this stuff in the world. And then I heard that the God of the universe loves me and sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. And if I receive him as my Savior, then I can have eternal life. And I can have abundant life on this earth. And I went for it. And my life has never been the same. God continues to change my life. My life did not become perfect overnight. It did not become perfect within one day or one week or one prayer. But the direction of my life changed dramatically. One of pursuing after God. And God is still in the business of changing lives. You know, and and I'm talking about change, and I hope you're looking in two directions. One is, do you see the change in your own life? How is God changing your life? But also recognize that, yes, we want God to change our lives, but also that God has the power and ability to change lives all around our community. And that's what we want. We want people to say, hey, I'm welcome at River Church. I'm not perfect, but when I come, God can change my life. God can change my life. Here's the conclusion of the story, verse 28. It says this. It says, and when Jesus, uh, excuse me, it says, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. He says, it all comes back to God. God is the source of change in our life. Prayer as a way of God, of moving God's hand is the source of change in our life. It's not about us. It's not about you're not a strong enough disciple. It's about you're missing this element of inviting God to make the change. And that's what we're about at River Ridge Church. It is about seeing God change lives, change our lives first, and then the folks that we bring and that we invite. And we want to have great music. We want to have engaging sermons. We want to have great kids' ministry. We want to have fun stuff for kids. We want to have, you know, a lobby that's welcoming and inviting and good signs and all that stuff. We want to have all of that. But none of that changes somebody's life. That's just about the everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect side of things. What it's about is that God is in the business of changing lives. Anything's possible for those who believe. I want to close with just a couple of very practical applications. The first is this, is keep taking steps. That we talk about that uh, Riverage exists to help people take next steps in their journey with God. Keep taking next steps. You know, we talk about a couple of them all the time. We talk about this idea of be committed to coming on Sunday mornings. We talk about be committed to being in God's word on a regular basis through prayer, through reading God's word. Be with God. We talk about getting involved in a community group, get involved with a small group. That's a great step to take over this next month. We talk about we want to be contributors, not consumers. That's about serving and leading and giving financially 
All of that is part of the next steps that we take. Keep taking next steps. Here's the second application. Invest and invite. Keep investing in relationships. Keep inviting people to hear about Jesus through you telling them or inviting them here to River Ridge Church. Next week, we're starting a new sermon series. It's called Five Words That Will Change Your Life. And each week, we're going to just talk about one word and, and kind of what God says about that one word. And we've designed this as a series to invite people to. I, I promise, I guarantee that you can invite anybody that you want. They will come and they will be engaged with the message because this is stuff that all of us deal with. But the answer that we're going to point to each week is the answer is what Jesus says. The answer is God. Next week, the sermon title is one word. It's the word no. The word no can change your life. So I encourage you to use that. We'll put stuff on Facebook and Instagram this week that you can like and comment and share and all that kind of stuff just as a way to help you invite people. And then here's the last application is be available to God. And what I mean by that is listen for when God prompts you. Because the Holy Spirit is always speaking to us, but I don't know that we always listen because there's so many other voices that are going on in our head. But when God prompts you to do something, act on it. Do, on it. do something with it. Because so often change happens in people's lives because God uses one person to come alongside of another. You know, how many times have you heard, I was going one direction in my life or I was you know, going through a difficult time in my life and somebody came along and invited me or somebody came along and walked with me through this. That person is always somebody that God prompts to walk alongside or invite or invest or whatever it is. So be open to the promptings of God. You know, I want to um, finish by showing you a, a video. Um, and this video is a guy named Craig and and as you hear this video, everything that we've talked about is encapsulated in his life. And it begins with his life change. But in here, he's going to talk about Celebrate Recovery, right? And that was the next step of him getting involved in a group. And he's going to talk about people who invited him, right? And he was invited to Celebrate Recovery in the River Ridge by somebody who said, I'm going to listen to God and I'm going to follow this prompting and invite this guy. And he's available to be used in, in uh, God is using him because he is available. So uh, listen to Craig's story. The band, you guys can come on up and uh, as we watch this video. Hello, my name's Craig Owens. I'm here today to say I've placed my Lord, my faith in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to tell my story. What my life was before I placed my life in, in my Lord and Savior was... Uh, it was pretty bad. I've been arrested 23 times. I'd been to the penitentiary twice. I was going back to the third time looking at life in prison. And I'd actually got a great opportunity to get into Putnam County Drug Court. I'd excelled, did very well, graduated the program, um, started working, was doing great in my jobs, and I'd found out that uh, money and work was my new addiction, that I'd traded drugs for one for another. And something was missing in my life. In the search to find what was missing in my life, I'd uh, been locked back up. I'd relapsed, lost about everything that I'd worked hard for. And uh, when I got out of jail, I, I started getting back into treatment and got plugged in at CR and started coming to River Ridge Church. And this one, uh, I realized everybody's not perfect and people make mistakes in life. And that's when I decided to give my life 100% over to my Lord and Savior and get baptized and, and to give my life totally over to Jesus Christ. 
Hey, my name's Craig, and thanks for listening to my story today. Yeah, so, uh, Craig, is it you, have you placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Yeah, awesome. And is it your decision today as a public declaration to be baptized and show the family and, and declare that you're a follower of Christ? All right. Now I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This opportunity that we have um, to invite people, because we're not perfect, but Lord, we know that you change lives. And I pray that there would be more and more stories like Craig's that exist at River Church, because really that's all of our stories. It, it may not be that same story, uh, but Lord, you are changing our lives as we pursue you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.